as we're thinking through communing with Jesus Christ, taking the Lord's Supper or preaching the gospel to yourself during the week so that you can be uh, rightly motivated in order to live the Christian life. Um, whenever, if you find your heart that's, you find that your heart is sluggish, if you find that your heart is, is lagging behind in being in awe of the gospel, ask yourself this question. How, how hard is it for you to forgive somebody whenever they've betrayed you? I mean, think about the times you've been betrayed in life and how hard it is and how hurting it is for uh, you to be betrayed, but then you forgive. And, and that's something that it's not really, really easy to do. And then think then about the fact that we have betrayed God millions of times. Millions of times we betrayed him. And yet he did everything necessary, everything that was hard and grueling, Jesus did so that all of those betrayals are forgiven. All of them. We think, we think back over our lives and we think, I've forgiven that person, I've forgiven that person. And it was, it was difficult, it was gut-wrenching. God, and we have sinned against the holy God of the universe, the, the God who has made us, the God who has held everything together. And he did everything necessary, everything that was hard, everything that can never be repeated so that we could be free, forgiven, covered of all, from, from all of it. And uh, if, if you're going into the service, uh, let that thought help you commune with Jesus as you take the Lord's Supper. Okay, so what are we doing? What are we doing for the next six weeks? We're going to be talking about discipleship. We want to keep discipleship before the body of Christ here at Calvary Bible. And in order to do that, we feel like teaching on it as often as possible is a good thing. We, you, you've heard it probably said by Dan that we want to create here a culture of discipleship. We understand that, you know, as men, we can't create that, but we can point you to the scriptures and we can, we can encourage and exhort and, and we can be examples of discipleship. And so we want uh, to encourage that. We want to teach you the word. We want to talk about discipleship a lot so that a culture of discipleship is created here at Calvary Bible Church and not just something we, we occasionally talk about. So today uh, we start this series we're going to be talking about what discipleship is, what a disciple is, and then we're going to be talking about um, pra- a lot of practical ways that we can join in uh, the Great Commission, right? making disciples of all nations. So uh, I hope you're interested in that. I hope you're ready for that. Uh, I hope this makes a difference in how you uh, live your life, both when you are with God's people here and outside of the walls of the church and away from the Church of God. Um, who knows how to work the AC? I mean, I don't know. You want to bump that down? Thanks, Phil. It's, it's getting a little warm in here. I appreciate that. Okay, so discipleship. Um, it's become kind of a catch-all of everything that's involved in the local church. I, I don't know if you, you've felt that or not, but just kind of a, you know, everything kind of goes in discipleship. Well, well, that is uh, discipleship. That is discipleship, whether it's a, a Sunday school class or it's a men's group or it's a women's group or, or we've got uh, small groups. Uh, that's discipleship. It's all discipleship. And certainly, um, those things are included in what discipleship is. But I think a lot of times we can get into a mindset of thinking that that's what discipleship is. These programs that are in the church that are meant to help Christians grow and change. And discipleship, though that's, those programs are included in it, 
really, it's, it's much more than that. Um, and so I, I want to help us focus in on what discipleship is on an individual basis. So, um, yes, let's come to Sunday school. I'm glad you're here. Yes, let's be involved in small groups. Yes, let's be a part of the programs of this church. But understand that you are responsible for discipleship. You as a Christian, a believer, someone who has come to a faith in Christ, who is trusting in him as Savior and Lord, you are responsible for discipleship. Now, that discipleship is enabled by the grace of God, amen? But you're responsible for it. And not only should you be working toward discipleship, in the body of believers and making disciples of all nations, but you should be seeking discipleship for yourself. Are, are you seeking it as well? So let's, let's talk about what a disciple is first. If we're going to understand discipleship, we have to un- understand what a disciple of Christ is. So let me get us started. Disciple, uh, the word in the New Testament, it's uh, derived from the Greek word methatuo, which means to learn. Very simply put, and at its very basic meaning, that Greek word means to learn, right? That, that base Greek, that basic Greek word means to learn, okay? So if we're getting down to the bare bones of it, you could say that's what the word disciple in the Greek means. But there's something we have to understand about this. It's, it's, it's beyond that. It's more than that. Because in Jesus' day, a disciple was uh, essentially a pupil or a learner who adhered to a specific worldview or philosophy held by a specific teacher, right? It was um, essentially the teaching that the people were adhering to. There was a specific teacher at a specific way of looking at the world, a philosophy, and they adhered to that teaching itself, But, you guys got that? But, Jesus redefined the term. He redefined the term disciple in the New Testament Gospels so that, like I said, it is more than that. It is more than us simply learning or adhering to a a teaching or a doctrine or philosophy. It goes much further than that when we're talking about being a disciple of Christ. I want you to look at a text with me. Uh, open up your Bibles to Luke 14. We'll start in verse 26. Luke 14. This helps you understand uh, a little bit of how Jesus has redefined the understanding of what it means to be a disciple. This is what he says. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Look at verse 33 as well. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Now, wait a minute. We are good evangelical Christians, right? I mean, family's supposed to be huge, right? 
I mean, the radio stations are called the family friendly show, the, the family friendly, friendly, friendly radio station, right? It's hard to say that together really fast. So if family is to be huge for us, if it's to be important for us, if we're to raise our children as uh, in the admonition of the Lord, and if we are to, to uh, love our wives and nurture our, our wives and, and wives are to submit to husbands and we are to care for our, our siblings and love our neighbor as ourselves, well, this says that we are to uh, hate Father, mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters. And if we don't, then we cannot be the disciple of Christ. What's Jesus mean there? What does he mean? Family is important to us Christians, and, and it should be because the scriptures teach family as important. But what does he mean? I mean, hate, it's a really strong word. Any ideas? Is Randy or Brian? Can't see. Okay, Brian. <laughs> yeah, the, the answer here, I'm um, just for the recording, um, is saying that you've heard other pastors say it, our love for Christ should be so great that our love for anyone else should seem as though it's hate. I've heard that as well. I think, I think, that's, uh, I think that's a good explanation of what this means. Uh, really, what we're dealing with here is uh, a way of saying you should be loving them less. Not, not hatred itself, but it's a way of teaching that says you should be loving these people less. Christ's love should far supersede your love for anyone else, including your very life, right? Because if you're honest with yourself, you love yourself most of all, right? We, we, we do a good job of loving ourselves. And so we're not to love um, mother, father, children. The, the, the most meaningful relationships in all of life, we are not to treat as more valuable and precious as our relationship to Jesus Christ, Right? including uh, that life that we have or the, uh, the love we have for our own lives. It should far supersede any other relationship. And that's why he uses the, the, most, um, the most intimate of relationships in order to communicate that he should be the one that we love most. And then he says in um, verse 33, he who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Not that, you, not that you have to give away everything that you own in order to follow Christ. That's not what's being said. It's not that you have to give away your house, give away your clothes, you know, um, sell all that you have. But it's saying that you need to hold loosely, hold loosely all that you own, all the, the possessions that you have. It should, you should be willing to let go of it. If it came to that, right, if it, was, if it came to that, you should be willing to say it's not worth it. Christ is better. Jesus is more important, right? And so what does this communicate? How is this different than adhering to a teaching, just, just a teaching of a specific teacher? How is it different? What do you think? Yes, Mercy. One is logic, one is belief. Good, good. That's it.
Okay. Okay. So we, we are called upon to to believe in what we cannot see. Okay. As opposed to watching. Good. James. Good. Uh, not just a worldview, but a lifestyle. Okay. Good. Yes. One requires your heart, the other requires your mind. Good. Russ? Oh, that's right. Yeah, not just adhering to uh, an understanding, a teaching, right, but uh, giving our hearts to the teacher himself. It's, it goes beyond ascribing or adhering to the teaching to the one who is doing the teaching, right? Himself. We follow him, right? That's right. That's right. This this goes beyond just, you know. Well, I'm in I'm in this camp, right? I'm in this theological camp, or I'm in, in this philosophical camp, right? I belong to this way of thinking. It's a, an all-out commitment of all that we are unto Christ, right? That's what discipleship is. It's not just I, I'm in this theological camp, or I, you know, I uh, this is what I ascribe to. This is how I see the world. It is a, a commitment, a devotion, a dedication of one's whole being to Jesus himself, not just his teaching, but himself as the one who is Savior and Lord. Right? That's huge. It's different. It's, it's more than adhering to a teaching. It is pledging your allegiance and loyalty exclusively to him. That, I think that term exclusively, too, is important, right? Because um, what we want to do is, is uh, give our life to other things, multiple things, right? Multiple uh, people, but it is to be devoted entirely to him. He's the one who rules supreme over our lives. He is Lord over our lives, not others. It shouldn't be that our lives are lived before other lords, other masters, but for him alone. So allegiance and loyalty of life is given exclusively to him. Say, well, am I to be loyal to my family? I to be loyal to my wife? Yes, underneath loyalty to Christ. We are loyal to family, as we are being loyal to Christ, right? Um, aren't I to be, uh, to be loyal uh, to, to, my, to my job, faithful there? Yes, underneath loyalty and allegiance to Christ, right? So we see the difference. He redefined it for us. It's more than just adhering to a specific teaching. It is following, committing, devoting yourself to Christ. So if we understand that to follow Christ means that allegiance and loyal, loyalty exclu- exclusively to him. What is involved in this? What is involved specifically in following Jesus Christ as a disciple? Okay? Uh, turn to John 6, 68 and I'm going to read, and actually I'll read this for the recording. Sorry, I forgot we're supposed to be doing that. 
uh, John 6, 68 and 69. Follow along with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. This comes just after he asks, are you going to go away too? Many of the disciples, after his hard teachings, had, had left him. They had, they had gone away. They, they had left. There was a crowd, and they left. And then Christ says, do you want to go away as well? To whom shall we go, Peter says. You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. So, following Jesus means learning from him. He has the words of eternal life. So, do we listen to his teaching? Is there an adhering to the teaching? Yes, but it's beyond that. But still, we are to learn from him, to sit at his feet, right? Come to the word and seek to know him, to know what he has planned, what he wants from us. We should be learning from him. It is not less than that to be his disciple and follow him. John 15, turn there with me. We're, I, I'm trying to unpack for you how being a disciple is, is radically different than just adopting a certain teaching or worldview. John 15, 4 and 5. Christ says, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Who's the vine? Christ is the vine. Who are the branches? We are connected to the source, the life source, which is the vine, right? The branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. You must abide in me so that um, I produce in you fruit. Verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. (laughs) Talk about exclusive, right? Apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing of eternal value. You cannot please the Lord. You cannot do what the Lord wants you to do apart from me, he says. So what, what is included in following Jesus? Depending on him. And think of it this way, too. Did you depend on Jesus in order to come to Christ, in order to be converted, in order to be justified? Did you depend on Christ? Yes. We, we did wholly depended on Jesus, right? I have nothing good. Poor in spirit. My pockets are out. My spiritual pockets are outturned. I have nothing to bring to you, God. I, I only have sin. And so we were completely dependent on Jesus Christ to be everything that we could not be, for him to fulfill the law for us, right? To be a curse for us, Galatians 3 says. And so we had to depend wholly and completely on Jesus Christ in order to be justified. It's all his work, all his work, not ours. But now, as we are being sanctified and we're seeking to follow Jesus as his disciples in this sanctification progress, then we are continually being dependent on him. 
we, we continue to depend on him. We continue to rely on him because we can do nothing apart from him. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So for us to be able to please the Lord, we have to rely on Christ. For us to be able to obey him, to follow after him, we depend on Christ. We, we can't get away from depending on him. We, we need him for sanctification as well. Do you work in sanctification? Yes. But it's all work that is empowered by Christ. And so, not only do we learn from him, we depend on him wholly for justification, even our sanctification as we work, it's all empowered by him, right? He works in us to will and to work for his good pleasure. Turn with me to Matthew 10, 37. What does it mean to follow Christ? He says, whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. So again, this is a call to love Christ, to love him more than those who we love most in this world. Isn't your love strong for your spouse? Maybe it's your mother, your father your son or your daughter, right? perhaps a sister or a brother, your love is strong. Think about the, the, the relationship in your life that, uh, where, where love is being shared in the strongest way. Our love for Christ should be greater than that. So it's not just adhering to a teaching. It's not just learning. It's not just depending. It's, it's loving him as well. We love Jesus We love him because he first loved us. And again, that love is enabled by him, his power. Flipping back over to John, look with me at chapter 14, verse 15. There's another aspect of following Jesus. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. So that love expresses itself in obedience, right? Love expresses itself in obedience, serving him. We seek to serve him. How do we know how to serve him? Because he's given us commandments in scripture. Commandments for us to say, okay, I want to discern what the will of God is for my life, how I please him. I want to know how to please my Savior. How do I please him? He's told us how to please him. Please him as we trust in him, depend on him, trust his promises, depend on his grace, and obey him, serve him according to his word. It's different, isn't it? It's a different kind of discipleship than what was taught or what people were accustomed to. We also proclaim him. We also proclaim, and you, you know this verse. I'll read it though. It's uh, Acts one eight. Jesus speaking to the disciples, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all, all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. We proclaim Him, right? 
We're his proclaimers. Uh, first, first Peter 2, 9, right? We were saved, it tells us. We, we are his people. Why? To proclaim his excellencies. That's the reason in that verse why we have been made his people, right? So that we can proclaim him, so that we will proclaim him. And, and look at this hope. We think about this very often. The hope of this verse is you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come, right? Are you scared to proclaim him? Yeah, I'm scared. I'm scared to proclaim him. I've often given up on opportunities to share the gospel because of fear. But I'm forgetting in those moments. I'm forgetting this. Holy, the Holy Spirit has been given to me. He's been given to you to empower you to proclaim, to be his witnesses. We depend on him. We're not left to ourselves to do the work of evangelism. We're not left to ourselves. The Holy Spirit is the one who is indwelling us and he's enabling us to do uh, what God wants us to do, which is take the gospel to the ends of the earth. Look at Matthew 28, verse 9. Here's what we see the disciples doing. This is after the resurrection. And I'll read starting in verse 8. So they, de- they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings! And they came up and took hold of his feet and they worshipped him. We learn from him, depend on him, love him, serve him, proclaim him. We worship him. As his disciples, we worship Christ. What are we doing here, right? What are we we here? For many different reasons, but I hope you're here to worship Jesus. I hope you're here to commune with him and worship him by the taking of the Lord's Supper and to sing his praises next hour in the worship service. I hope you're here to to worship Jesus Christ. Is is there anybody, I mean, you you think um, maybe there's a, a a certain kind of way you see... Um, I don't know, you, you view politics according to a certain politician or you uh, view handling money according, according to a, a certain teacher or something. But do you worship him? Do you worship that politician? Do you worship that, that economist, right? Uh, or or you, you like to think of things, uh, you know, whatever hobby it is, and you, you kind of ascribe to a certain way of doing that hobby that someone has taught you. Do you worship that person? You might adhere to the way that they see things, right? Adhere to their teaching, but you don't worship that person. Worship Jesus. What about John 13, 34? This is commandment given to the disciples from Jesus by this I'm sorry uh, verse 34 a new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you you also are to love one another so what does that say we're to love one another but what's the example we're to imitate him right we imitate him we, we, we learn from him and depend 
Run him, love him, serve him, proclaim him, worship him, imitate him. I mean, and, and also, uh, just to give you another um, text on that, John 15, verses 10 and 11, say this. He says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love, right? So you, you obey my commandments, you'll be like me, because I obey my Father's commandments, so we're called upon to imitate him, to be like Jesus. Now, can we do everything Jesus did? Obviously not. He's God, right? So the uh, what would Jesus do kind of breaks down at a certain point, right? There's some things we can't do that Jesus did because he's God, right? But we are to imitate him, to be like Jesus. You know, I, I think that's what um, 2 Corinthians 3.18, when it says, uh, Paul says, be we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. I think what we're talking about there in that image is the image of God becoming more like Christ, who, when he was here on earth, gave us uh, an understanding of what it means to be human and uh, have the image of God go from a distorted, uh, being distorted in the fall to what God wanted it to be, desired it to be. Okay. Number eight, finally, um, if you want to turn to Matthew 28, the Great Commission. Back over that. See, I, I was just in Matthew 28. What do you make me do here? Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe or obey all that I have commanded you. Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So um, you see in here, I think the aspect of proclaiming, right, making disciples includes evangelism, but also if we're going to follow Jesus, that means helping others follow him. If we're going to follow Jesus, it means helping others follow him as well. And again, can I just show you something in this text? After he gives that commandment to teach, right? Verse 20, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And what's that promise at the end? Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So I'm, I'm commanding you to go and make disciples, but I'm going to be with you. I'm not leaving you. I'm going to be with you as you do this, as you make disciples of all nations. And if he's with us, then... All of his promises are with us. All of his resources are with us, right? We don't go alone. Okay, so that's what, I mean, and we could break that down more. You, 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 could, you could break up those different categories and, and be more specific than that to talk about what it means to follow Jesus Christ as his, his disciple. But um, that's what we're going to kind of operate off of today. I, I want to say this as, as we're thinking about, this is, so this is what it means, to be a disciple of Christ. This is what it means to follow Jesus. Then look. That's what it means to follow Jesus. We're in desperate need of God's help. And we know that a lot of that help comes from God through his people to his people. Can I just, uh, as, a, as in a way of personal testimony, as a pastor of this church, I need you. As the body of Christ, I, I need you. Why do I say that? 
because I believe that much of the help, much of the grace that I need to run this race in order to follow after Jesus comes to me through you. And that's, that's not, I, I don't say that lightly. I'm not, I'm not trying to get you to, to think well of me, well of me or highly of me. I'm not, it's not why I'm saying that. I'm saying it because it's true. I have been intensely blessed by the people in this body of believers, helping me see Christ more clearly and walk in his ways and trust his grace more. And if we understand this collectively as a body of believers, then we're going to be doing more to seek that kind of help in following Jesus and doing more to help others follow him. We're going to seek it for ourselves, and we're going to give it so that other people can know it as well. So we know that a lot of the help that comes to us in following Jesus comes through his people to his people. Okay, so as we're thinking about discipleship, we're thinking about the Great Commission. If, if you're still there in uh, Matthew 28, stay there. There's two things, two aspects of making disciples, I think. When we consider the Great Commission, I think there are two aspects of the Great Commission that we see here. Number one is this. You cannot disregard this. Evangelism is part of the Great Commission. It's a big part of the Great Commission. Making disciples of all nations includes proclaiming Christ, telling the gospel forth, right, to those who do not know him. Telling people who don't follow Jesus what Jesus has done so that they can be rescued, adopted, and freed to follow him. That is included. We must be serious about that. And I want to be more serious about that. You know, and I, I love the fact that, that there are people in this body that are more evangelistic than me. And that challenges me, and that encourages me. And I want to be around those people more because I need to be sharing the gospel more. And they encourage that in me. Also, includes helping fellow disciples follow Jesus. Matthew 28, 20. By teaching uh, them to observe all that I have commanded, Jesus said. So learning what it means to obey all that Jesus commanded is something we will be doing for the rest of our lives. And so, if you're thinking through this, You think, okay, to obey the Great Commission. I think, this is, I think this is where we may fall into a rut. We think to obey the Great Commission means I'm doing that when I'm in the world. I'm going to work this week, and I'm going to be in the world. I'm going to be around unbelievers, and so I, I'm going to be obeying the Great Commission when I'm out among unbelievers because I need to proclaim Christ. I need to make disciples of all nations and tell people what it means to follow Jesus and how they can be saved and rescued. So, I will begin to obey the Great Commission. I'll, I'll strive to do that by His grace tomorrow when I go to work or when I, I get together with some, some other moms in the community or, or I'm at, at the grocery store or I'm you know, at, a, at a baseball game for my son and I see some of these other parents around. That's when I need to concentrate and pray and focus on the Great Commission. But that's not the only time. Are you to be focusing on the Great Commission? While you're here today? At church? Yes. The answer is yes. There? Out there in the world? Yes. Here? Yes. Because it includes both. By proclaiming Christ, 
telling forth the gospel to unbelievers, but also helping other believers follow him. So what can you do when you're around other believers? If you're at a Bible study, uh, you're in a small group, women's ministry, men's ministry, we're getting together for fellowship groups, what can you do to help a fellow believer, a fellow disciple, follow Christ? We need each other's help. God's grace comes to each of us through us. And so you can do much more than you think you can in obeying the, the Great Commission. You uh, should be seeking to obey the Great Commission now. When with, you're with your believing brothers and sisters in Christ. Don't turn your mind off from the Great Commission when you're here. This is an opportunity. See, I want us to turn to Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, but if the above is true, that both of those aspects are included in the Great Commission, right? Evangelism and helping others to follow Christ, other believers, then making disciples is not a privilege that stops when you walk out the door door, or out, um, out of the world and through the doors of the church, right? So that we continue, whether you're in the world, whether you are here, whether you're with other believers outside of the walls of this building and you're just, you're fellowshipping, you're seeking to disciple, right? Out of love. Turn with me there. This is, this is one of my, it's probably my favorite text of scripture on the church, I'll, I'll read it for us, and we'll, we'll talk about it some. Paul writes, And he, God, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. Why? To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Are you a, are you a member of this body of believers? Are, are you, a, 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 are you a, a part of the body of Christ? Are you a believer here at Calvary Bible Church? Then you're important. We, we do not believe that um, ministry is done just from the leadership of this church nor should you because of this text, right? It says, that, that, are there people that are put into uh, leadership capacities, leadership roles? Absolutely. Verse 11, right? You've got the apostles and the prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. But they do the equipping of the saints. What are we talking about? What are we talking about? And who are the saints? Us. Are you a believer? You're a saint, Right? We're not talking about Roman Catholic saints. We're talking about saints, the believers. We are the saints. If you're a believer, you are a saint. And so, so the leadership exists to equip you so that you will do the work of the ministry. So you are essentially ministers in the professional sense, the vocational sense. No, but you're ministers because you're seeking to serve as well, to do the work of ministry. Imagine 
if the church was just, uh, in terms of human leadership, just left up to the elders, just, just the teachers, just the shepherds, just the pastors, oh, how unhealthy the church would be if it was just the leadership seeking to help the people follow Jesus. But the health of a body of believers when everyone is seeking to help each other grow and change and follow Jesus, it's going to be a healthier church. And you help the pastors of this church. You help the elders of this church. Don't think, don't think for a minute that this means, uh, okay, if, if the shepherds and the pastors and the teachers, if they're the ones that are doing the equipping, then, then I can't really do any kind of ministry to them or for them. Not true. I hope you don't think that's true. I hope you'll come to me encourage me. I hope you will, uh, if, if I need to be rebuked, rebuke me. I hope you will exhort me. I hope you will, you'll love me. I hope you'll um, do things that will help me grow and change. By his grace, I'll, I'll do it for you, and, and you do it for the leadership, and you do it for each other, and we'll all be working together to build each other up in love, and that'll be a, a healthier church. Are you seeking to do that? Look at this. I love, and I say, does this include the pastors and the leadership of a church? That Look what Paul says. Is Paul an apostle? Yeah, he's one of these leaders that was just listed here in verse 11. But look at this. Um, so the shepherds and teachers and all the different leaders, they uh, are given to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ, right? So that we're, you guys are building up the body, and, and, and certainly uh, we're as leaders part of that. But look, until we all attain to the unity of the faith, we all, he says we, he's including himself inside the we, okay? We all attain to the unity of faith. See, because leaders are a part of the flock, right? I'm a sheep, too. So we, until we all attain to the unity of the faith. And so you say, so, so ask yourself, I, I love this church, but are, are we completely united in, in the faith? There's work to be done there. There's work to be done. No church is perfect in that regard. There's, there's work to be done. And the faith means the, the faith that is uh, the doctrinal teachings of Christianity, right? The faith. And of the knowledge of the Son of God. That, that's not conversion knowledge there. That's a deep, intimate knowledge. Knowing him as, as Christians. Not being converted, but knowing him in a deeper sense. Diving deeper into who he is and knowing him more, right? Until we all... Uh, become and, until we all attain to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's, that's the goal, right? To become like Jesus. Again, to become like Jesus. So we're seeking to help each other become more like Christ. And so there's work still to be done. Does anybody look perfectly like Christ in this room? Please don't raise your hand. Uh, I don't think so. I don't think you would admit that. I don't think you think that. We need help. And God has ordained that grace be given through us to each other so that we will not be tossed to and fro by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, just, you know, being like doctrinal chameleons, right? This sounds good. Uh, this sounds good. And this one, this sounds good too. Now, so, rather, we should be speaking the truth in love. Are, are you doing that? Are, are you speaking truth to your brothers and sisters in Christ here at Calvary Bible Church, right? When you're meeting outside of the walls of this building, are you speaking the truth 
First, are you speaking the truth? You've got to ask that. Am I, is it the truth I'm speaking? Am I, am I speaking truth that's based on the word of God? Am I speaking the words of God to people? And am I doing that in love? Am I doing that with grace? Am I doing that thinking of God's glory? And am I taking their best interests in mind when I speak the truth? And speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head. Again, that's, he's being emphatic. We, we, we need to become more like Jesus. He's the standard there. And will we become perfectly like Jesus in this world, in this life? No. But think of all that he's done for you. Think of all that he is for you. Think, I mean, we, we could sit here and just make a list. Just be here the rest of the day talking about all that he's done. Think about all of that and think, don't, don't you want to become more like him after thinking through all he's done for you? He's the standard. He says, uh, into, into Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. Remember, we're, we're a body. We have different, um, we have different gifts, all right? Just because you don't have the gift that somebody else has in this body doesn't mean you aren't important doesn't mean that, that uh, you aren't crucial to the building up of this body. You are. Okay? We, tend to, we tend to highlight the, uh, the more obvious gifts or the gifts that make it so someone stands up in front of the body and, and teaches or, or does something that's, that's seen by everybody. Like that's a more important gift. No. The eye is important. The hand, the leg, the foot is important. We're, we're all important to the building up of this body. Do not think that you are less. Look, I mean, I'm, don't, don't believe me. Believe Paul. Turn to 1 Corinthians 12. Verse 21. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker and dispensable. Isn't, isn't that interesting? The, the, uh, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty. And he goes on, but look, look at the reason there in verse 25, that there may be no division in the body, right? God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body. So, so I know we're tempted to think that some gifts are indispensable and others can be dispensed with. Uh, we, if you are a part of this body, you have a gift and, and you are needed. By God's grace, he's, he's designed the body so that you are needed. We're all needed to build each other up in love. Okay, um, And that says something very great about the God who's gifted us, right? It's, and it becomes, I think, when you think about it, it really becomes a very humbling thing, doesn't it? If you, if you think that you are, if you're prone to thinking that you are indispensable to the body of Christ because of your giftedness, you should be humbled by that, right? Oh, wait, those other gifts I think are indispensable. They're not. We need them too. And what if you're somebody who thinks, prone to think that, yes, you're not really needed. You are dispensable. That's more the side that you fall off on. And you should be encouraged by that. 
to do more, to get involved more, to speak more, to use your gifts more, even if they're not seen by people. Because the body of Christ, according to Ephesians, needs to be built up in love. We need to be built up. And God has said, I'm going to use this body. I'm, I'm going to use all of these people to build each other up in love. right? Because if, if, he's, if he's just using these people in the body, and not everybody in the body, well, it's really easy for these people to be proud, right? It's really easy for these people to, to think well of themselves, to think highly of themselves, to put themselves in the place of God. But if God is using all of us to build each other up in love, that's a very humbling thing. And it's a lot harder not to give glory to God in that moment, right? Oh, he's using everybody, even those people that I don't think are important. He's using them too. That puts me to shame. I'm humbled by that because the great God of my salvation has chosen to use all kinds of people with all kinds of gifts and abilities so that we build each other up and become more like his son. That's a beautiful orchestration. Praise God for that today. And so we're going to be talking about in the coming weeks um, how we can help each other, how we can seek help in following Christ and help each other follow Christ in different areas. Like when it comes to following Jesus with our hearts or our heads or our hands, the application of truth, or, or in the body of Christ as well as we use our gifts um, and, and abilities when we're with each other. So different areas we're going to look at and how we can seek help in following Christ and help others follow Christ inside the body. So uh, this is a, it, it, it's a study on discipleship, but really uh, goes down to the, the body of Christ aspect of discipleship and all that we should be seeking and helping each other to do. Okay, any questions at the end of that? Okay. You guys have been great. Thank you for your patience with me as we were starting off. Apologize for that. Let's, uh, let's pray and get started or with the worship service. Gracious Father, thank you for the body. Thank you that it's not, it's not up to any one person. It's not up to any group just a special group of people in the body. You've designed so all your grace flows through all kinds of people, all your people in the church. It's humbling, Father. We thank you for doing it that way so that we remember uh, that we are not the ones who are sufficient. You're sufficient, and you've made it uh, very obvious to, to us that you're sufficient because you chose the, this way to give grace to us through your people. And so, Father, I pray that we would get on board. We would do more to seek discipleship from others and to help disciple others, Father, so that this body becomes more healthy. Lord, for you, enable it. Give us the grace for it because we can't do anything apart from you. And then it may be, it may be for your glory and your honor because of all that you are and all that you've done for us in Jesus. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.